You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Miami Nation podcast. I'm Alex Miller from the Eagle, joined by Travis Brown of the Eagle. What's going on, Travis? Not much, you know, uh, another chilly day in BCS, another chilly day for A&M's men's basketball end of game shooting, as it seems to be. Yeah, you know, they say ball don't lie. And and fortunately for the Aggies, it's been falling the wrong way for them. You know, last week we were talking about how, you know, they pushed Kentucky down, down to the wire and had a chance to win the game, weren't able to do it. But there was a sense of optimism kind of coming from that game. Well. The last two games, AM's had chances to win. They just haven't been able to close the deal, it seems. Yeah, it, you know, they they they've come down to the wire and and there's a lot to be said about how they've not started games well. They did actually last night against LSU. Um, but away at Arkansas, away at Missouri, those games started really slowly for the Aggies. But I think mostly the, the conversation needs to actually be the way that they finish because I believe they didn't score in the last four minutes or didn't hit a field goal in the last four minutes of the Kentucky game, um, Arkansas, there was a lot of mistakes at the end and in overtime, they, they basically went cold. And at the end of this LSU game for the, I think they were, um, Oh, for their last six from the field, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, it's it, every one of these games has been a game that's been there for the taking. It's just A&M hasn't necessarily stepped, stepped up and, and made it happen. Yeah, you know, when you when you look at it, you know, AM had had some chances to put together some quality wins. And that seems to be the thing that we keep talking about is if AM wants to have a legit shot at having a chance to finally make the NCAA tournament for the first time in several years, they're gonna have to get one of these quad one wins. And they've had their shots, but, but Travis, how how is how has this kind of taken a toll on AM's chances? Granted, you know, we still got a month and a half of basketball to play but the, the losses are going to start counting up pretty soon if they keep falling and uh, and not in A&M's favor. Well, they're, they're the good, there's good news and bad news. For those guys who are out there who do a lot of this kind of bracketology and metric stuff, every one of these last three games that AM has lost has been games that they projected that they were going to lose. Now, they've also projected that AM won't make the field of 64 heading into the SEC tournament. Um, but that being said, they they basically need, and by all the, the math and number crunching I've done, they need two quad one wins heading into the SEC tournament to be able to be in that field of 64 before the um before the the the, the SEC tournament and not having to need a deep run to, to, to make that happen. Um they had they had only one quad one game heading into conference play, and that was the Wisconsin game of the Maui Invitational that they lost. Um, the last three games were quad one games. And you know, I had actually had some questions on Twitter about this. So let's kind of go into real quick what a quad one game means, if that uh, is okay with you. Uh, so uh, the the RPI is what used to be. Uh, people know about RPI, and that used to be the main metric that the selection committee used, uh, a mathematical algorithm that factors in things like strength of schedule and opponents' wins and losses and things like that to, to rank all 100 or 350 Division I teams in, in, in men's basketball. And 
they moved about, what was it, like 2014 or 2016, they moved to a new metric called the net rankings. That is just a, a different mathematical equation trying to kind of do the same thing and, and present a ranking of how good each of the 130 teams are right now. Uh, well, I don't have the net rankings pulled up, um, but um, each and in that those net rankings, um, they're divided into quadrants and it's, it's not as simple as saying like uh, a fourth of each of those rankings to, to, to three fifty. There, there's some nuance in there. And like, we'll just for quad one, for instance, a quad one win, which is the, the upper quadrant, the top tier of teams on the road would be one numbers one through 75, because it gives you a little bit more credit for winning a game on the road for a neutral site game. It's one through 50 for a home game. It's one through 35. So it, it's, it's, it's weighted a little bit to give you a little bit more of an advantage. Uh, if you are the road team going out and, and getting a win. Um, right now in the current net, let's see, these net rankings are as of January 26th. Alex, what is today? Shit, today's the 27th. So these are as of yesterday. So this might not actually count uh, A&M's loss yesterday. Um, they come in at, let's see, this makes for great radio uh, or podcasting. Well, they they were around the sixty range. Um, I see on WarrenNullen.com that they're fifty three, and that was yes as of yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they're fifty three. Which, when you look at a field of sixty four, that's right on the bubble because you have you know at large bids that are going to come from further down that list. Um, excuse me, not at large automatic qualifiers. So anyway, A and M's coming in at fifty three. Well, the last three teams they've played, and I'm going to kind of switch back and forth here because it's easier to see. Uh, there, there's another metric called Ken Palm. Ken Pomroy makes his own kind of metrics. Um, when you look at the Kentucky, Arkansas, LSU, those are all at the the seven thirty six twelve range. LSU was nineteen in the the um, AP top twenty five yesterday. Coming into that game. They were ranked 10. So there, there's a lot of little metrics out there that, that can do this anyway. So they need three quadrant one wins, uh, or excuse me, two quadrant one wins. Last three were quadrant one wins. The, the, the ones that they have left would be at Tennessee, LSU at home, at Auburn, at Alabama. When I was looking at this stretch and, and saw that what the quadrant one, one games are going to be, I thought their best chance to get the two was going to be at Arkansas and then at Alabama. Of course, the first Arkansas game counted as a quad two game because Arkansas is on that, that fringe of, of being in those, and they were above uh, number 35. So that's why that game didn't count. But at Arkansas counted, they lost that game. So now they're going to have to scrounge up two wins uh, in the, the mix of Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Alabama before the season is over while winning all the games that they're expected to win, like Saturday's game against South Carolina. So a little bit rambly there, I'm sorry, but that's kind of how that whole quadrant system works uh, and, and why quad one wins are important. Cause it's a key data point that the selection committee uses in, in selecting that field of 64. Yeah. You know, when, when you mentioned that, how much did Wednesday's loss to LSU kind of sting knowing that a had a chance to really win that game 
and they, they had a really good chance considering LSU was down their top two scores. And then Eason got hurt in the middle of the game and couldn't really go with all the cramping he was dealing with. I mean, you can say that about any of the last three games because they were in any of the last three games and, and, and you, you win two of those and, and you're good. Like uh, you, if you went out when all the other games you're supposed to win, that should be enough to get you into the tournament. Um, but because of that, the, it's just kind of putting uh, the pressure on their backs, a little bit more weight on their shoulders as they head into some of these games because their opportunities to get those key metric games are becoming slender. Um, but yeah, that was a, a key opportunity because Buzz Williams thought that Pinson, their, um, their, their point guard, who's their second leading scorer, was going to be, or third leading scorer, was going to be back in the lineup. Darius Days was actually out of the lineup, who's their second leading scorer. And then their top leading scorer, uh, missed the, the the last half of the second half out because of an injury, and they just really couldn't capitalize. Um, it was an interesting loss because the the, the three pointer that went up at the end that ultimately tied the game for LSU, and they never really looked back from there, was one that uh, was in the middle of what looked like they were changing defenses. And, and Buzz Williams said that he thought that the matchups were set, and it was just a little bit of a late contest. If you watch that game, it did seem like there was some communication issues on trying to get the matchup set and, and it kind of left somebody open and it just wasn't squared away from there. LSU had the arguably the best defense statistically in the nation. And that can account for a little bit of, of some of the failures they had in and around the rim, but they were nine for 19 on layups last night, including three in the last minute of the game that could have either tied it up or brought it back in within two Um it just it's not like these monumental things that the opponents are doing that's that's really putting these games out of hand for AM. It, it's like a turnover or a couple of missed layups or just going completely ice cold from three point range when AM entered games as the number one team in the SEC. It's just one little piece of the puzzle that seems to be missing every every bit of the time, which on one hand is a good thing because it shows that they're just one little step away from being a really, really great team. But on the other hand, it's not, it's not horseshoes or hand grenades. It's, it's basketball games. <laughs> you got that right. Well, AM returns home on Saturday. They're going to face South Carolina. That's certainly a game that AM could probably win. You know, what could a win against South Carolina kind of do to kind of get AM turned back around, knowing that, hey, you got a big game at Tennessee next week, too? Well, I mean, they're all must wins now because you have to win these lower quad games, quad three, two, quad three games, because you, you mess up on one of those. And then you might need a third quad one game to kind of balance out the equation a little bit. So it, it, they, they are walking a very, very tight rope on if they want to make the NCAA tournament where every game now really is kind of a, a must win save for, let's see, we said they have four quad one games left. Two of those they can lose. Um, they're expected to lose, but they need to win at least two of those. And they have to win all of the non quad one games to have a chance. So it's kind of in a, a must win situation for everybody. Now, here's a question that I've got, Travis. So, Anum's got a win over Arkansas, right? And Arkansas started conference play with three losses. Say, say Arkansas takes off and they they kind of ascend to the top of the conference standings. If Arkansas 
kind of kind of takes off if that happens could that win become a quad one win or would it just count as a quad two win no matter it what it counts as it counts as for where the net rankings were at the time of the game okay so okay. that's a good that's a good clarification too right it was at the at the time of the game so um yeah it, it, that 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 makes things a little bit more um complicated but yeah i mean the, the opportunities are still there they've just got to finish on one of them gotcha well you know kind of looking at the court too what's maybe something that AM's really got to hone in on to in order to kind of turn things around and be able to pull out some of these closer wins i mean you got to look at the 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 shooting around the uh the rim um i i want to say I'm trying to remember where I can actually pull up that stat, but they, they actually, on one of these, they've broken down uh, A&M shooting by, by how far it is away from the basket. And, and coming into the season, they, they actually weren't necessarily a great team at, at close two point shots. Um, they got to improve there a little bit. And, and um, when they are a little bit of gimmies, be able to take them. Um, and they've got to improve on, uh, I mean, they got to continue to pr- improve on free throw percentage. They're 343rd in the nation out of 350 teams in, in f- free throw percentage. Um, and the, the uh, defensive rebounding, not giving the other team second chances ha- has always been something that they've been not so great at. They're 309th in the nation in defensive rebounds uh, percentage or, or really the opponent's offensive rebounds percentage. They're 309th in the country that, you know, when you look at a site like Ken Palm that has these uh, metrics, they kind of shade things where if it's really bright green, that means they're really good. And if it's dark red, there's bad. The, the interesting thing, and, and there's shades of the rainbow in between to show kind of how in the middle of things they are. And most of AM's stats are either really dark green or dark red. They, they're a very polar opposite team on some things. And so if they could just, bring it back into the middle a little bit um, on, on a lot of these stats, it, it might prove just that little bit extra they needed um, to, to, to get to, uh, to those wins that they've been in, in close games on. Well, we'll see if AM can turn things around on Saturday when they face South Carolina, Travis, before we go, uh, let's just touch on a couple other things real quick. Of course, uh, A&M signed the majority of its football signing class back in December during the early signing period, but we do have national signing day next week. And, uh, there's a couple of big name targets still out on the board that A&M seems to be pursuing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shamar Stewart. Yeah. Is, is one that, um, I think everyone has, has their eyes on and, and of course, Harold Perkins, uh, decommitted, um, could still have AM potentially in the mix. I don't know. Alex, I know you're uh got kind of our guy on the recruiting scene. What are your thoughts on actually how this might shake out for the Aggies? They, I think there's no risk in them losing that number one team uh recruiting class in in the in the country ranking, but it might be the difference between if it's that greatest recruiting class of all time, or is it just the number one class this year? Yeah, I think you nailed it, Travis. And and you know. Perkins was definitely a guy. It seemed like AM was really targeting and prioritizing. I mean, it, he could be a really game-changing player at, at linebacker. You know, you think about 
kind of the centerpiece of an Alabama defense with N'Kobe Dean, or you look at, uh, excuse me, Georgia's defense with N'Kobe Dean or Alabama's with Will Anderson. I mean, it seems like Harold Perkins could become that kind of player for A&M. And then, I mean, as much as A&M's losing on its defensive line, I'm getting a guy like Shamar Stewart at defensive end would be a huge addition for A&M. And, you know, A&M's kind of had some success down there in, in the, in the South Florida area and Shamar Stewart kind of from that Miami area. So, yeah, I mean, A&M, A&M really put in the work uh, in the early signing period and came away with the top class, but you know, there's still work to be done and it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. And those seem to be the two guys that A&M's best in the mix for. And um, we'll see if A&M's able to sign them next week. Yeah. Uh, we also have baseball practice starting up this yeah. Friday. Uh, the Jim Schlossnagel era is coming into full scope this Friday. Yeah, Travis, I was going to ask you, you know, we'll dive deeper into baseball once it gets a little closer to the season. But, you know, with AM baseball starting up practice, what's kind of maybe one thing that you've really got your eye on as uh, Coach Schlossnagel really starts getting things going here at AM? What this pitching rotation is going to look like, uh, they return Nathan Detmer, who was their Tuesday guy, did really, really great. Uh, for the Savannah Bananas out there in Georgia this past summer was one of their best pitchers. But other than that, they, they have a bunch of transfers in and uh, Jonathan Childress is kind of maybe in that mix. Nathan Detmer might be in that mix. They, they, they hit the transfer market big for a lot of these guys. Uh, I think it, it, it makes sense to see where maybe the, the hitters, the positional players are going to sort out with, with some of these transfers, but that starting rotation is going to be a huge question mark. I, I'm curious to see how that sorts itself out. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Nathan Detmer is a guy that maybe slots into a Saturday or even a Friday night role. Yeah. It seems like Micah Dallas is kind of one of the guys that they picked up in the transfer portal. That's caught a lot of attention uh, heading into the season. He's a guy that, that had probably the most starting experience other than maybe Detmer and, and more weekend starting experience than anyone else that they've uh, been able to bring back. And he's a guy that, Schlossnagel threw out there for both their fall games uh, to start, even though those games are an inning here or there for most of the pitchers. And, and he didn't really have a great showing in those two fall games. So curious to see um, those things. It's hard to know what they were working on. Um, if a guy was trying to hone in a specific pitch and he might not throw it the same way if the game's really meant something in, in, in conference play. So curious again, also to see what would the stuff that he has, I haven't got to see him in person yet. Um, but uh, Nathan Detmer is just a guy that's continued to pr prove himself. And I, and I'm, I'm curious to see where he slots in and where Mike Dallas slots in. Well, we'll have more baseball coverage coming up here in the coming weeks as A&M starts the Jim Schlossnagel era and we'll have plenty of A&M basketball coverage as A&M tries to make a step forward towards the postseason berth. Uh, but Travis, I think that's going to do it for us today. Gotta love it. It's, it's that time of the year where everything is going on and especially everything is going on in West campus. So uh, I'll be running like a chicken with my head cut off. I know you will too. And uh, we'll just, we'll make it through and, and see if we can get some postseason play. Yeah, well, be sure to check the eagle.com for all of our coverage of AM athletics and uh, as the spring goes on. And uh, be sure to check out our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as well. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, the way it must have seems. 
But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good love ain't easy, girl, we know that's true. If we wanna keep it, we gotta watch everything that we do. Make sure you're sticking with me. Don't 